When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we back. My expert opinion, the greatest show in the world, 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 world. Ah, the crew got to do it. <laughs> Come on, man. Y'all watch the show. Y'all watch the show. I ain't cool. With my expert opinion, my expert opinion, the greatest show in the world, 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 world. All right. Y'all know I love the Brooklyn episodes. Um. Hit that like. Hit that like, hit that share. Let everybody know you in here. Don't cost you no paper unless you some mother. Hater, 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 And don't be one of those. Hit the subscribe button, hit the like, hit the share. Let your peoples know, yo, this is the show that you rocking with. Um, shout out to everybody who kind of kind of uh, spoke up for us as far as like the BT Awards podcast nominations. We appreciate you guys. Salute. But we would appreciate that you... Uh, congratulate the people who actually made the list because, you know, when it's your time, it's your time. But when it's not your time, you celebrate those who are enjoying their time. So that's where we at with it. Matt. Salute, King. How you feeling, sir? I'm blessed, but not as blessed as my homegirl, Sky Brewer. She just came out of heart surgery. You just hit me a couple minutes ago, and I'm, I told you I was going to shout you out. God bless you. Happy to, happy that you back. You're safe. I told you we was going to be laughing about this next time next week. I'm going to be laughing at you next time next week because you had a heart surgery and everything's fine. You was worried for no reason. I told you. God, God bless. God bless. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. One time for my little shout, sister. Shout out to the gang, gang. Rock yeah. boy. Yeah. Rock yeah. boy G. Yeah. Yeah. Rock boy G. That's that Brooklyn energy. Eastern Parkway all of a sudden. Facts. That's Eastern Parkway all the way. Splat murder. Happy to be here, nigga. You know the vibes. That's what it is. <laughs> shout out to Champ. We got a fact. Shout out to Champ. Champ is OT getting money. <laughs> Handling his business. Um, shout out to Bigger, biggest uh in Vegas celebrating his birthday. So my man Champ would have been in this chair right now going crazy with the beatbox. Facts. Word. 
Shout um, out to Chant. Today, we got a legend. Um, there's not many uh, producers who can say they've worked with Biggie and Tupac. There's not many producers who have not only those two, but Jay-Z on the list. There's not many producers who produced anthems that to this day still ring out. When we talk about this man sitting across from me, there's so much greatness, so much greatness. But I think Max motivation is to find out why I didn't go a little bit further. Okay. We got DR period in the building. Clapping so hard, my bracelet came on. There you go. There you go. Hello, yes, motherfucking up? period, big Brooklyn, in the nigga. What's going on, fam? Resume is yeah. ridiculous, bro. That's a ridiculous Thank you, sir. resume. Thank you. Yeah, Thank can we you. run that down? Like, what, what, okay. what, what didn't we mention? We all mentioned a little bit of everything, mm -hmm. you know? On the hip-hop side, R&B, y'all didn't put Color Me Bad in it. Y'all didn't put CC Music Factory. Y'all didn't put Astrid and Simpson. Y'all didn't put the Jacksons. Yeah, yeah, the list is crazy. The you list know? is I'm, crazy. Now, mind you, this yeah. is years of development. You right. know, every, every year was something for me when I first got in the game. The first year was getting all my music took it, mm. and it was going out the door, hitting radio, and I didn't even know what I was doing. Second year, I caught a winner that. Third year, I started getting better. Fourth year, it just started growing and growing and growing. Then business started kicking in. Then I started associating myself with understanding what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And then the growth began from there. Well, let's go back to that first year. Okay. Um, who was taking your music? Well, it wasn't, it, a, it wasn't a stealing thing. Mm -hmm. It you was a thing it with... It wasn't even a giving away thing. It was more of a... Yo, I'm going to a studio. A studio? What is that? All right, yo, this guy named Fresh Gordon, he's down there in bed style. Let's go to this crib. These guys are ultra mix um, in the Bronx, you know what I'm saying? They doing sounds, go to their studio, you know? Mm -hmm. Z Studios in Brooklyn, go to his studio. Now, mind you, I'm being introduced to drum machines for the first time on that level, studio-wise. Right. I'm just playing patterns playing rhythms, playing different grooves, playing beats, and leaving. Now, Sessions is coming in, and mind you, those machines are still on. Right. So people taking, oh, what's this? Oh, what's that? Oh, what's this? And I'm hearing, oh, that sound like the thing I was doing at that studio or this studio. That was my first year understanding what hey, I got myself into. Wow. It what, what records were them? <laughs> okay. We'll start with, let's take it to the first record. Uh... Bad Boys. Y'all heard of the group Bad Boys? Okay. Spec the Gadget. Yeah. Well, you got MJ, you got um, Special K, you got all the other them, B and all of them. Now, I ain't saying I did the, did the record, uh -huh. but I'm running with this circle, and they taking me to studios, and we are making records. Then I do the, the, do the joint, get it out. Then we do Gilligan Island, Force MDs. That comes out. A lot of records started happening. Mm. So it was like groups like Mighty Mike Masters. It was groups like the, um, the Rugged MCs, stuff like that. So these are all the groups, neighborhood local groups, right. making local records and getting that local credibility from the boroughs. Right. And those are the kind of records that was being made, but I didn't know 
that me hitting a, a, a drum machine, making a beat here, making a beat there, started stemming the understanding. I was like, yo, you produce it. Who was taking right. credit? The groups. When the records came yeah. out, you yeah. who produced it? Well, it says they produced the records. Mm. Yeah, because in those days, it was produced by him or produced by him. That wasn't an issue. Mm-hmm. It was a situation where it was just the, 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 the label and the name of the group. Mm. So it was no credits because these was independent companies putting oh, out I records. I mm. So I don't even think the independent companies at that time knew understand that like, they was yo, a label. He did the drums. We right. They, they didn't know proper credit and structure mm-hmm. at right. that time. They just was, oh, we got a nice sound of rap record. Boom. It flies out the door. Right. But enough of those started making me realize the reality. Like, yo, you're producing. What year was this? This is like early 90s, like late, late 89, 88, during the Kane era, during the Positive K and all those dudes. IOU dancers, this is when Puffy, Puffy's running around being a club promoter, uh, uh, doing college parties. This is during the, where we all going to um, Latin King and, and, and what is the other club called? It's a Square, it was something square on 42nd Street. I'll be square. Nah, 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 that's more. Nah, nah, that's how be square more. That's when me and Biz used to run together. This is the days me and Biz running together. Me and Jess Dice and DMX, B-Box. We all brothers. Me, Biz Margie, Dougie Fresh, Rozelle, all of us. We all B-Box dudes hitting the A-Train, meeting up at a station. You said DMX? DMX and Jess Dice. Latoya. Remember those records? Mmm, taking you back. You yeah, see what I'm saying? Crazy. Yeah. That's those eras of records being developed and things is happening, music is being made. So this is me coming in the game going like, yo, this is it. This is it. I see something. Now I was a human beatbox for a lot of people. And the thing about me being a human beatbox is I develop relationships. I'll go to this bro, hang out with Doug uptown, start understanding, meet Rozelle and meet um, Wiz, the human beatboxing. I'm, I'm meeting so many different people. Then I'm in Brooklyn. That's my stomping ground, born and raised. So I'm hanging with Biz. Me and Biz was really tight mm. in our early, early days of human beatboxing. Rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace to yeah. Biz, you know? And DMX, that used to beatbox with Jess Stice. Mm-hmm. He took me to uh, not that DMX, yeah. a record company called. <laughs> I think it was called Sleeping Bag. Sleeping Bag Sleeping Records. Bag records. Sleeping Bag yeah, Records. Yeah, it was Sleeping Bag Records. Sleeping Bag. Yeah, this is the Who's time. Who's coming up yo, with these names? Yo, yo, I was like, this, this was that. This I remember was Sleeping Bag. The golden era being birth. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. Where, where we all started realizing our gifts, our talents, and our mistakes at the same time. So I'm learning and learning, making records that I had a whole year just... Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Oh, wow. I should have said something about that. 
oh, wow, they done took that. And then sampling and people hearing samples go, oh, man, we could take this sample and do it this, this way, way and that way. Right. And me being a musician, that gave me the upper hand mm -hmm. because I play instruments. Right. So instead of me always sampling a beat, I just play it. What do we you play? play it over keyboards, drums, guitar, bass, you name it, I'm on it. Mm. Just to make it sound like that sample. Right. Mm -hmm. And then start playing it. But my studio wasn't a studio at the time. My studio was more of a put together. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Piece it, from here, it, piece it was from a, here. a little bit of everything. I had um what we call a radio for recording, another radio to play the beat, then a Casio keyboard sitting there with a soul sonic drum. Somehow, some way I connect the wires and made mini plugs hmm. where the soul sonic drum is playing out the speaker of the radio, and somehow I had to Casio keyboard connected to the wire, so you're hearing both, and everybody in the room has to be quiet. And the person was rapping, go ahead, start rapping. So while they playing, I ain't had no sequence, no patterns to create any kind of format and structure. So you this had is, to play I had to play it live. So I played the whole crazy. thing live, wow. and that developed my keyboard skills. Mm -hmm. And then I sit in front of TVs and hear TV shows, commercials. And that was my training. I wanted to play Oscar Mayer commercials. I wanted to play all the jingles, all the cartoons. And I started getting nice in it. And we started doing parties. How, Me, MJ, and all of us running around. You? How old were you when this was happening? This was when I was 15, 14 When did you pick old. up the musical background? In the, like playing from the church? Or are you just... No, that's like, my household. My household is full of... Okay, let me rewind it even more. Yeah. I come from my household... Of musical genius. I'm gonna say that. I can't even express it no more. My mom's, Miss P, every musician from that era know her. Mama P is the one that you play bass, you play drums, let me let you meet this guy over here, he play keyboards. And now you got Earth Wind and Fire. Now you got Common Sense. Now you got Crown Heist. Now you got BT Express. That's who she was. She was the person that connected and put the mm -hmm. dots. Right. But her goal was always, all her kids, y'all go to school, but somebody better pick up an instrument. Hmm. If you ain't picking up no instrument, don't think you living in this household. Hmm. And it's not like we get kicked on the street. It's like, yeah, you gotta go live with Uncle Willie. You gotta go live with Grandma. You gotta go live somewhere else. So we all had to learn instruments. And Damn, then, I heard and you then. don't go to school, you know yeah. what I mean? Or you get kicked out the crib. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. Shit like that, but mm -hmm. you pick up an instrument, you, you get kicked out the crib, you don't pick up an nah, instrument? you don't get kicked out the crib, but what it is, it was a music house. Now, my house mm -hmm. was the house we call the Musician Dungeon, where every musician on the planet don't have nowhere to live or nowhere to go, nowhere to jam. They call it jamming there. Mm -hmm. Came to my mom's crib, and she had the basement always set up for them to go in there and just start practicing the instrument. Now, mind you, they ain't in there certain days. I'm down here on the drums. I'm down here on the keyboards. I'm just playing around, but I don't know what I'm doing because mm -hmm. it's all it's just, just instruments, and I'm just learning them, and I'm getting excited over them. Right. So time goes on, and I get into junior high school. Then I meet a man called Mr. Evans, known as Sticks. That's James Brown drummer. 
Him and Clyde is the ones that's responsible for funky drum and all the James Brown drum patterns that the music industry sample from to this day. Wow. This is my music teacher now. 271, I guess 271 in Brooklyn, Herkham Street. Taught me four years, four years of music. Yo, stop, stop being on the drums. Go over there on the keyboard today. Get, get over there on the bass. Yeah, pick, pick, that, pick that horn up. I ain't gonna say the, bo- the, the, the blow word, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got over here, you go crazy. <laughs> so, you know. Look what so, you did. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, at, at the end of the day, when I realized that, I was being trained by the greatest, mm-hmm. one of the greatest. Then, in the circle of musician, you had this guy, mm-hmm. this white man. Jew, very educated, Abby Rosenfeld. And he's the manager, Village People, Madonna, Debbie Gibson, Fred Zarr, Cindy Lawful. This man is the, the, the musical icon, but he's my mom's best friend. Mm. Oh, you was groomed. So you understand where yeah, this is going, you, you right? You got groomed. Yeah, you cheated. Yeah. I didn't cheat. You, yeah. I you was manufactured. You cheated. It's like a person. He was manufactured. You're a scientist. Check this out. you a science experiment, bro. All my brothers had the same opportunity. You know what I'm saying? All my brothers had the same opportunity. But you see what I'm saying? It just was in me to learn that and be about that lifestyle. Like I took a risk where now we're talking a year with crackers on the block, drug dealers. Now, mind you, I'm 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 not DR Perry at the time. I'm D, but big D because I'm a workout buff. You know, I'm a little overeating now, but (laughs) it's all good. So I'm a workout buff at the time. I'm the guy that everybody called. Yo, I got a problem with this dude on the block. I want to go fight. I box. I did it all. I did martial arts. All that. So no, that's who I was. Wait, wait, wait. But hold on, hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk hold about on, it. On. You know what I'm saying? Wait a second. <laughs> right, uh, household music. He had to play every single instrument. Right. Um, he's getting groomed by, by, by Madonna's manager. He's doing martial arts, boxes. <laughs> there you go. Mother introducing this, Earth, Wind, this, and Fire. What are you doing with your kids? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. You know yeah. So, so now, now, now we're talking about me learning the culture of hip hop, not mm. just music and instruments. I'm learning the lifestyle. Now I'm break dancing. You know, because I can do backflips. I'm doing all this stuff. Yeah, now I'm like graffiti. You roundhouse the shit out of me. I'm like graffiti the tool. <laughs> Why is that always your position? I can't even just laugh along with her. Why you got to laugh? Look at this nigga ah. break this. It's so, over, man. It's so crazy because now I'm understanding this is a way of life. Right. So I'm writing graffiti now. I'm riding trains to the last stop, hitting yards. I'm running with one of the greatest graffiti writers, too. And he, he hits everything. And I'm check 68. Cool. I'm right behind him. I'm his student. So I'm learning how to do it all. I got the black book. I got everything. I don't want to go to school in Brooklyn. Now it's graduation time. I'm going uptown. So I go to Martin Luther King. Right across the street from the school, because it was a movie called Fame in those days, and it was like a performing arts school. Right. I wanted that, but my records and my, you know, my, my grades wasn't all that good. Right. I didn't make it, but I was across the street. 
And my goal and my dream was always to get in that school. And I couldn't because all of Brooklyn decided they don't want to go to the school in Brooklyn. They want to go uptown with me. <laughs> and they done turned Martin Luther King into a whole nother level. Another level. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Brooklyn don't know how to act when they go certain places. <laughs> so now I get kicked out of Martin Luther King. Right. I can't even finish school there. Send me back down to Boys and Girls High, right back to where I, I, I like where how I you conveniently blamed all your friends. For yeah, you I blamed them because <laughs> I wasn't up there wilding, but I was a part of some things that I didn't need to be a part right. of. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the one that boxed and do yeah, kung fu yeah. where you I, ain't had nothing to I'm do. I'm like, yeah. I know you can't yeah. beat him, but I can fight him for you. I was that type of dude. Oh, you man. know what I'm saying? But they love me for that. But right. one of the things they love more about me was the fact that I had an idea to do something. Mm-hmm. And they was willing to go, yo, where you taking this? So everywhere I went, they pretty much went. So getting boys and girls. Now, this is how it all really started for me, stepping up on the music. So I meet a brother named Dave. Well, Dave been my childhood friend forever. We call him Super Dave. He's from the projects. He's from uh, St. Mark's. Right. He's on Prospect right over there. He's up the hill. We just say up the hill, Saratoga. Right. So he's in, he's in Boys and Girls High, and you know, I just hope this don't bite me. So the young man had a Dr. Rhythm drum machine. And I was like, yo, D, you know what it is, right? Oh, man. Now, most people plot for money, plot for, you know say, jury. They go hard for all those things. But we went hard to get that Dr. Rhythm from homie. Wow. And because of that, D was like, I don't even want to hold that, man, because we done did something crazy. You going to jail. He told me I was going to jail. But fortunately, homeboy kept it where we, where we left it at. Right. He kept it real. Oh, I'm a real street dude. He kept it dead. Right. But that Dr. Rhythm started something else. And I could tell you some of the records I started making on that machine. Annie Up. Was Annie, Annie Up ain't even come. Annie right. Up wasn't even. I mean, we can fast forward. Let's I'm, fast no, forward. No, no, no. Don't fast forward. Don't fast forward. You know what I'm saying? The only reason I said Annie Up is how you got it. Okay, Annie Up. What's <laughs> <laughs> the term of how I got it? Put it that way. Right, you know right, what I'm right. saying? So what did and you make on the actual machine? The machine started me understanding because it was a sequence that came with the Dr. Rhythm. If anybody familiar with a Dr. Rhythm drum machine, you make your patterns and you can save them and you can put them in sequence and put track one, track two, track three, and it go all be in sequence. Right. So I learned that and then... I got another machine after that, and it was called a TR-909, and it had a thing on it called MIDI. Now, MIDI was another piece that you could connect another component machine right. to and sync them together. Yeah. So that's how I started getting the keyboards and the drum machine to start making sense. Right. Then we started growing and growing. Then they invented this thing called the MPC-60. Yeah, I remember that shit. <laughs> now, the MPC-60, it was the very first one called the MPC-60. And then it was the 62. Made by Roger Lynn. Because right. Roger Lynn had another drum machine called the Lynn Drum. I wasn't really big on the Lynn Drum because the Lynn Drum was just full of 808s and 909 sounds, what we yeah. use now in music. Mm-hmm. It didn't really excite me. But the MP excited me so much to the point I could sample I could save it. I could get busy on it. You know what I mean? So, 16 level shit. That's when right. the Bertha, all the other stuff started. The real street records started being made. Now, in I the meantime, that's what came from the NPC. That's that's when I that, that's when I first 
That's when I first, first got introduced to you and MOP. How about some hardcore? That was my record. Same. That mm-hmm. was the Brooklyn anthem. Right. And you mm-hmm. created that. Right. Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, that was a record that wasn't even made to be a record. Mind you, MOP ain't a group at the time. Fame is a rapper. Bill could rap, but they wasn't like locked in at the time. But we had a brother named Lays, Lazy Lays. Shot the Lays. Lays used to be with school from school to scrap. School lover. It was Lays in school, the uptown too. Mm. And it was they beatbox named Opie at the time. Mm. But Opie was never really leaving the hood like that. I always left the hood, so I became a beatbox. So to kind of let that story build up to Lays end up. He was one of the dudes that was the first in everything. The first fly car, the first bad chick, mm-hmm. the first K-Swift sneakers, the first Hawaiian shirts. He was the first in all of it. Helmet school lover, fly, the flyest dudes I ever met in my life. You right. know what I'm saying? They was the first on that. But he did the record called The Hill Is Real. It was a compilation he did. Mm-hmm. And on The Hill Is Real, you had little fans. Then you had an artist named Big King. Then you had a couple different artists on it. So he came and knocked on my door. Yo, I know you were doing that music, man. You know what I'm saying? I got, I got slapped, man. He, you know what I'm saying? I, I know he got something in him and this and that and the third. And the slapping him used to just walk to the crib and see me and talk. And, and the thing about me, instead of me being there to produce them, for I'm those that don't know Slap, that's Lil Fame. That's Lil Fame. Oh, right. He got his wild different names and shit. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Big shout outs to MOP. Right. They changed my life. The brothers changed my life, right? So what I say, we end up getting in the basement. Now, mind you, my studio's in my basement. It's not a real studio. It's a studio look. You know, I got a bunch of milk crates with some equipment sitting on top. It looked nice and set up, but I got this big pole coming through, this sewer pole coming through. Anybody on the block start flushing, you hear Right. There's all this water coming through this pipe. Right. Now, what's so crazy about this, we're trying to do vocals. And how we did vocals now, mind you, I don't know. Vocal booth is on this side, Chill, yo, and the studio's on the this clean, side. <laughs> Chill out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The vocal booth, right? They, they're going crazy so, over, the, over the... I ain't listening to that. You're telling the story. You want to hear the story? Let's tell the story. This, this, is, this is a gat effect. It ain't got nothing to do with it. I ain't say one word. It got get excited, all right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, we, we oh might God. never do that. That's the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? That's the Super Bowl. There you go. Let's give him his yeah, name, right? <laughs> so it's this big pipe, right? Right. Going through the basement. Sewer pipe. Sewer pipe got basement, right? Dior, that's your man. Stop it. Sewer pipe going through the basement. So it's time to drop vocals. So we gotta hurry up and do our vocals for the somebody flush. Because we're gonna hear it on the mic and there was no way around it. Mm. So if y'all take the mic out the room, you still hear it. It was that loud. Damn. So if you listen to the record, How About Some Hardcore, and really listen to the vocals, you will hear in the background. <laughs> <laughs> You'll think that nah. I like literally. Like, I never heard that, that sound. Song. Yeah, it's in the record. It's in the vocals. It's speak in on. the vocals. You have on. to hear it, and then you'll be like, yo, I hear it. So, oh, you know, we did a lot of. Can, can you point this out? Of, 
Is there a spot I mean, you got to listen to because it's random. Like, I don't know specifically, like, what, what, the what, location what? spot. Right. But you got to listen to it and really, like, dig your ears in it. So on your time, yeah, when you right. can really put on your ears, you just it listen on your in time. the back. Yo, the streaming for that song this about is, to go sky yeah. high, bro. It's crazy. <laughs> they be people listening yeah. to it over and over. But one of the things about that sound that mm-hmm. actually added to the record it actually made the record sound something different. Mm. Now the beat was a beat that I had and I made, and it wasn't like, yo, I'm gonna make. Cause MOP wasn't MOP at the time. It was just Fane and his homeboy that I knew it as, you know? Right. But then I'm in there playing it, and one thing led to another. Next thing you know, Fane like, how about so hard? Cause Bill like, yeah, we like it raw. The bill was like, oh, boss, hardcore. The thing, like, yeah, we like raw, and 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 they just kept doing it, doing it, and I'm turning the beat up louder and louder, and we caught a rhythm to it. And the next thing you know, we had to lay it down. So we laid it down. We liked it. We only had the the hook and a little bit of the verse because they didn't really write the verse out all the way. They were just playing around with it. Lays came through and heard it. It was like finish it. So we finished it, and when we finished it, we had how about some hardcore. He took it up to select records, and they signed us right there on the spot. Off mm. that one record. Off that one record. And there wasn't a group at that time. It wasn't even a group. They didn't have M.O.P. at that M.O.P. time. M.O.P. was a, a neighborhood crew. Mash out The posse. bigger brothers of Little Fame and Bill homies and big right. brothers and cousins. Right. That's what they did. They 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 rep Brownsville to the fullest. Like right. you got a problem with one dude in Brownsville, you yeah. got all these other dudes to deal with. That's you know what I'm saying? That was the mash out yeah. posse. Crazy. That's what that represented. And they was like, yo, we the next generation. So that came about. <laughs> and then next thing I know, we talk and they like, yo, we're gonna do this. I moved with MOP's last next generation, yeah. straight up and down, act like you want a conversation. conversation. There you go. I packed you see what I'm saying? Got the stay strapped. I bust mine. Sing that shit, man. You see what no, I'm saying? The very next line, you, you gonna pull. Queens niggas don't be want to do very next verse. The very yeah. next yeah. line, you gonna pull. That's why I'm not doing it. There you I bust go. Bust mine. Don't try to. Yeah, that is. Yeah. See, I'm that. It is a pause. You know what I mean? Fuck you, think this is? Shut your ass up. So we end up. Forming the group, MOP. It came from the older G's saying, yo, y'all, y'all the next generation. Y'all ain't out in the streets like us. Y'all gonna do, that's why the support was there. Mm. So when we did videos and we did anything, shows, we had 100 Brownsville, yeah. Brooklyn dudes, dudes from Best Style. It's like, yo, we, we were Brownsville, East New York. Like we had Brooklyn so heavy. Like every time we did something, it was literally like 100 of us up in the club just wilding. And it was so dope because we didn't understand that we showed everybody that there's a chance to make it out of the hood. And then everybody's passing away, going to jail, getting into what they get into. So we made the How About Some Hardcore, but the dude who owned the label, Fred Manette, he was like, yo, you gotta do the whole album. And I've never produced the whole album before. And I'm like, a whole album? In my headspace, because I listen to albums, I'm like, that's a lot of work. But I never knew I was built to do albums. And I said, all right, I do it. And I produced the whole album except one song, and that was uh, Guns N' Roses by Silver D. 
Mm-hmm. He did that because he was the A and R. He said, "Man, I signed this. I got to get on this." Mm-hmm. But the album was so because now I'm doing homework. I'm listening to West Coast. I'm listening to East Coast. I'm listening. I'm listening to everybody. I'm listening to hardcore. I'm listening to to underground. I'm listening to everything. So I do the album and it, and it sounds like I'm six or eight different producers Deucing. on one album. Right. But this is one dude doing all the production. What was so, your vision like? When you sit down and say, I'm gonna put an album together, these guys aren't even a group yet. What was the what did you picture this turning out to be? My competition was a group called NWA. Say less. So when I see NWA and how they was like, ah, 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 and didn't care, and I was listening to the acoustic and all the arrangements and the way the drum and the way the skits and all that was, I said, Oh, we gotta, we gotta That was the bar. That was it for me. Right. That's the level. So I'm in there every day. So every time I come in the studio, they like, yo, what are you thinking about? So I got mad blue stills, say what, say what, say what, and then the tracks, you know, yeah. drama lord. I mean, I'm coming with heat. Like, that was some of my greatest introduction work ever. And when Fred got this album, he lost his mind. The streets got that album, they lost their mind. Their energy was up. We yeah, was out of here, and them dudes coming together, it was crazy. It's crazy. We, I could say, I'm going to say, we was the birth of the hardest, rugged sound that came from New York on the Brooklyn side. Facts. Facts. I say, we started that. Where everybody mm. like, yo, we're this hardcore, I don't care. Kill your moms and throw you over. We was doing that. That's we was right. talking that. No labels wasn't putting that out until we came. Mm. And when we came with it, we started something. Wait a minute. There might be an argument against that. Onyx. He said Onyx from Brooklyn. Onyx. Queens. Queens. He said, he said Brooklyn. 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 Said Onyx Brooklyn. is from Brooklyn. Queens. Oh, then, oh yeah. Brooklyn. You see what I'm saying? I ain't Solidify. saying Queens. Sure. Onyx had their thing. Onyx Solidify. did their thing. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and Onyx had what they had, but it was more hardcore rock. Right. We talking hardcore gutter, Brooklyn, raw, kill them, leave them in the backyard for dead type. You know that Love shit, man. We had yeah. the kind of music with dudes when we like, yo, I don't the fight. The made you want to do but something this to somebody. music here it's made me want to fight, fight everybody. everybody. Facts. No reason. You know what I'm saying? I mean, when How About Some Hardcore used to come on in a tunnel, dudes literally used to be backing up to the wall because they knew that record come on, something going down. Damn, uh, Every time they played that record, it was something. And Brownsville something niggas happened. created and I was like, wow. <laughs> Look what we created. Look what we started. Right. You know what I'm saying? We right. the godfathers of that. People don't see it as that. You see what I'm saying? But, hey, like I said, wow. that's, that's why the that's sound is so locked in. You don't tell so the story enough, D. You don't tell yeah, the story I know. enough. Yeah. I know. Not outside enough. Yeah. You know what it is? Shout out to fame. I'm a lab Shout out to dance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm, 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 I'm the scientist that stays in the lab. And that's all I did my whole career. Yeah, when they used to call me, yo, come to the video shoot. Come to the movie. Come here. Come there. Come to this. I'm like, man, I got to make some beats, man. I ain't got time for none of that. Right. And I ain't going to say it was a bad choice, but I think that was one of the greatest choices I made for as being able to have a catalog I built for myself. Mm-hmm. I stayed that focused. But the only thing... I didn't get the popularity that comes with that kind of focus. Right. Because there's two types of producers, the producer that stays in the lab and the producer that stays in the lab and also stay on the front line. That was the difference. I wasn't a front line producer. Mm-hmm. I had the respect of all A&Rs. It wasn't one label I couldn't walk into and be like, yo, I got something for you. I'm signing artists on just 
a conversation. I don't got no music, nothing ready for him. Like, yo, I got an artist and he's dope and I think I'm like, oh, what do you want? Mm. That's what it was. Let me tell you how crazy it was. It was so crazy. Russell Simmons come to my crib, my house. He brought Leo Coleman to my house to the hood mm. in the middle of Brownsville. Then I moved over to Bushwick. Then they started coming to Bushwick and Decatur Street. And um, Evergreen, right? You know what I'm saying? And I remember I was there. I'm sitting there, wrestling the hallway, waiting till I get finished doing what I'm doing to have a conversation with me. This Russell Simmons now. What was like, the conversation about? The conversation was like, why you don't come over to Def Jam? That's the conversation he wanted to have with me. Well, what was the answer? My answer was, okay, what I'm going to do over there. Now, mind you, I'm doing records with this one, Loose Cannon. I'm doing records with Island. I'm doing records with Universal. I'm doing records with everybody. Mind you, I'm not just doing hip hop. I'm doing pop. I'm doing CNC Music Factory. I'm doing Come On and Dance. I'm doing all these records, Respect. I'm doing all this Day Home with the Jacks. I'm doing all this stuff. Right. And I got the hardest, the most noisiest hip hop sound that ever came out of Brooklyn. And they wanted that at Def Jam. What were they offering? They was offering everything. They was like What's this, everything? cause I was next level entertainment. They said, yo, we'll give you your own label. We'll give you whatever you want. We'll sign whoever you want. And I was like, huh? And I, and I held out, held out. Then I came across a kid called Smooth, Smooth the Hustler. <sighs> so I held out with Smooth, right? Mm -hmm. So I decided to go into what I did with MOP. I took that same philosophy, that same thinking, and went in that with Smooth Project. With the broken language. Then I pulled the team together, said, okay, this is going to be the new kid that I'm working with. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's cool. But he sounds like the MOP, or he remind me of Bill, or he remind me of this dude and all that. Brownsville, bro. I mm. said, yo, this is a Brownsville sound we create, like Motown. Motown yep. sound like Motown. Right. Like, it don't matter who's using the Motown musician, they're going to give you that sound. Right. They, and that's what I had. I right. had that sound that if you was from Brownsville, you had that attitude. So it wasn't hard to pull it out of you with the music. Mm. All you got to do is say, yeah, I'm down. And I do the rest from there. I'm the type of dude, you come in and go, uh, 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 leave him on the block. I'm gonna do that and come back. It's a whole hook, mm -hmm. a whole song waiting with the hook, the verses, the breakdown, the bridge, the outro, the intro, everything. That's who I was, mm -hmm. and I was in it so hard. So I started working with Smooth the Hustler. So everybody was like, "Yo, man, but he sound like a one man this and all." They were saying all well, kinds on, of stuff. Now I gotta ask you: the creation of of broken language. That's what I'm gonna get to. Yeah. So I, I started working with Smooth the Hustler, right? So now here I am working with Smooth the Hustler, and we didn't get the broken language yet. We did this record called Hustling. So the record was a nice vibe, but it was dead, but it wasn't there. He wasn't yet his identity of where people could respect him the way they needed to. Right. So we took the record and we put in, Hot 97 was running this contest called Battle of the Beats. We won. And when we won that, everybody like, oh, this dude Smooth must be dope. And now to mind you, off the hype and excitement and everything, I'm thinking I could go in the studio and just start making beats. I go in there and start playing around with some music and I ran into a glitch. And it was a sample that I wanted to take and it kept doing this. Boogank. Boogank. That's It kept stopping. It would not play the full width of the sample. So I'm saying to myself, like, I can't get this thing. I turned the machine off, rebooted, put it on. I did everything in my power, but it stuck. For some reason, when that disc went in there with that 
particular sequence I sampled mm -hmm. on, it stayed the same way. And then Smooth came knocked on my door one morning. I never forget. Yo, what you doing? I ain't doing that. I'm just sitting here messing with this machine, messing with this sound. He's like, what's that? I'm like, yeah, it's you know what I'm saying? I said, I mess around. <laughs> I mess around and make a beat that goes. And you know what he did? He lit up, yo, that kind of sound dope. Yo, let me go get Trey. Just off that. I was like, and he just left the crib. To he go just get left the crib to go get Trey. I don't know what he heard <laughs> or what he was thinking. So I'm sitting there like, yo, maybe something there. I said, he's excited. Let me get excited. So I started getting excited too. So I'm sitting there. Bam, bam. I'm like, what kind of beat I'm going to make? The next thing I know, bam, bam. So I'm going all the way in with it. And I'm like, yo, I need an intro. And it got to be like, bam. So I'm so into it when they that came back. Right now. The beat was already done. Now Trey, this is the interesting part. Now Trey got a rhyme book that he thought was his, but he ended up picking his little sister book up. <laughs> and it started. She was writing something. I don't know who it was in school or something or whatever. She, and it started with, base your eyes on oh the guy, God. the this, that, the this, that, and such and such, the this, that. And he was looking at that. He's like, yo, my little be bugging, making a joke out of it. And he said, I end up going, big shots on the guard, don't have no gun. And then Swoop was like, yeah, but I could be like, the such and such, a, the such. And then next thing you know, the became the theme. And before we knew it, we had broken language. Jeez. That's crazy. So hold on. So I, I, I got to ask this though. You made the song, you made the record off of a glitch. Off a glitch. When you were done with that. Were you like, I hope this glitch don't fix itself? Like, I hope this shit don't start playing the right way over, son. At this point, I knew it was damaged. Right. So what I did, after the beat was made, I put a fresh disc in there. Right. And just saved the whole, the whole beat shit. like it is. Wow. wow. So when I saved it, and then I burnt it on DAT. Because we had this thing called DAT then, where you save it on a DAT. So I saved the instrumental on a DAT. And then I had one on what I called the Tam Scam 338. Because right. it was an eight-track tab scan, what I recorded it on. That's mm -hmm. what I made the record on. Yeah. The MOP album was done on a four-track. The whole album. So we had a four-track. The verse, verse. Yeah. And drums, we was, sample. Yep, because what we did, wow. we didn't even have separation. There was two tracks then, and people didn't even know it. Wow. But the mixing of it, I didn't mix that good day. I used to always overmix. All my mix was in what we call the red. Everybody call that the danger zone. When yeah. you're making records, don't take it to the red. Yeah. If you turn it up, the speakers I, is like. Yeah, I took everything to the red. That's why all those records got the grid to it. I mixed them all in the red. And then we end up trying to play around with bigger studios when we got the budget and all that. And it just wouldn't have. It wasn't the same sound. It wasn't the same vibe. So we end up keeping, I say, about, we kept everything. Wow. We kept everything we did in the basement and actually just put it out like that and just put a good mastering on it. Mm. And it worked. Everybody did That's a remix crazy. to that um, Broken Language. You had Red and Meth, Pat Remy, 
Who else did a remix to that um, record? Everybody. Everybody did a remix. Lloyd Banks, 50, all of these dudes. Everybody I, I, could, I could play you a beat you know? from uh, Rockwaller uh-huh. of that. And I'm supposed to... You see what I'm saying? Yeah, shout out to Rock, though, but it just it ain't hit me like the original. Yeah. You know what I mean? Rock, Rockwaller's my dude, man. Yeah. You know why he's my dude? Because it's crazy. He had this group he was running with called Flat. At the top. <laughs> right. Flat. Oh, this yeah. is when Rock we was. Just, we just this had this conversation yesterday. We talked about him yesterday. That's crazy. Juan joined the Gravediggers, another horrorcore group. But, right. And Flatline was Flatliners. the other horrorcore group. But you, I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to keep it real. I'm the godfather again of horrorcore. The name, the sound, the everything. You came up with that. I can... I can Go head to head with anybody and prove it that I was the godfather of that. Let me tell you why I'm the godfather of that. Now, mind you, this is another reason why Russell left the house. His nephew, Red Rum, Red Rum, Russell's is nephew. an artist. Right. And he wants to do something with his nephew, but he's bugging, his nephew's bugging him out because they believe in what they call devil music. That's how he was saying it. It's, it's like some devil, some, no, you know what? Graveyard music. It's graveyard music. So I was hearing what he was doing. I said, well, I'm kind of close to that. I got something that I call horrorcore. And I had a group called the Headless Horsemen's, right? Now, mind you, the Headless Horsemen's was my development group at the time that I'm working with the horrorcore on. So Russell was like, look, listen, man, I want you to work with my group. I'm like, well, if I'm going to work with your group, you got to sign my group. And, I, and, and the concept was you sign my group, they get on the first single. So I had the power to negotiate that. Mm. And that, that happened. And the first record we did was called Live, Live Evil. Evil. Live Evil. Now how I did Live Evil, man, I had all the TV horror sounds. Mm. All the yeah. Now one day I'm on a train and it's this little skinny white girl named Nora. She's on a train singing aura. I mean hop, I mean opera. She on there singing all I heard was that sounded kind of you, you know what I'm saying yeah. all, all I heard was oh I could use her vocals to replace these samples because I don't know how I'm going to get these clear yeah. because there's a lot of Stephen King and a lot of Damien yeah, and then she could do all you know what I'm saying yeah. Wes so Cravens the first time I took a person off the street and brought him to my house and I was like yeah I hope this lady don't like oh, rob me or, or, you know what I'm saying, yeah. or crazy, you know, yeah, anything. You know, I'm about to bring her to some of my little expensive equipment. Right. She wasn't homeless or nothing like that. She just was out I, there I'm hustling. I'm just amazed that you was able to get her off the train with you. Like, Yo, $100 <laughs> would do a lot. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Yo, my man said $100 would do a lot. And his name is Dr. That's crazy. A hundred dollars. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? Come do something strange. I was like, yo, I got this hundred, but you gotta come to my crib. She's like, come to your crib and do what? I said, sing. All you gotta do is sing, and I'm gonna give you this hundred. So she went in there, started singing all these parts, and I played the sample. I said, can you sing that? And she not only could sing it, she knew what they were saying because she speaks different languages. Wow. Come to find out, this girl is a genius. So I said, oh, wow, Nora. That's it. So I called Headless Horseman. Yo, 
I got this girl named Nora. We're going to do this and this. So they came down. We started creating. So we get to the studio. We made the record. So the Live Evil record, we made it. Headless Horseman get on it. Everything flatliners. So we started making this music. This music was so amazing. Scoring it like a, like a movie. Like yeah. intro. And then we got this video director who lost his mind. I don't even remember this dude. He had us in real graveyards, digging people graves up, laying people on top of people caskets and doing a verse. So Tempest, you think he's on the ground just rapping. He's literally in a hole oh. on somebody's grave. I don't even know. And, and whoever seen this, wow. forgive me. I, you know, I don't have no choice on that. But I'm saying that's how this dude went. He was a, he was a video genius. Right. He made, this, made that video crazy. Then he went and found rats. Red Rub wanted to have rats crawling on him. He went and found rats with red eyes. Built this little circle so the rats don't run off. Threw Red Rub in his circle and threw all the rats on him. These rats are just crawling on him. He's sitting there doing his... Now, the most scariest part of it... I think, wow. We get to this part of the video where he's supposed to just go up on a ladder, put the noose around his neck, and act like he's hanging, but we don't see his feet. This dude... Kicks the ladder, knocks it on the floor, and said, I need this to be real. <laughs> I need this to be real. And started doing his whole verse hanging. Hmm. And we was like, yo. And then after he finished, he almost was passing out. We got him down, man. We was like, yo, what you want to, yo, like, what you thinking about? He was like, it needed to be real. And that's how Live Evil came about. He almost died. He almost died. died. Oh, <laughs> I'm out of here. So I'm out of here. We're going to take a five-minute break. Now, before, before we took a break, we were talking about how you took a glitch and turned it into a hit record. I need, I need y'all to pay attention to shit like that. Like, when things ain't the way you want it to be and you make it work and it becomes something great, all the time. So, from there, let's keep it going with the Smooth the Hustler story. So, <clears throat> I realized that the record itself, Broken Language, it came together, and then the nightmare of it was it didn't have a hook to the label. So now at this point, we're shopping. We independent now, we doing all this. We doing all the music now independent. Now we got people's eyes on us. We want to battle the beats. Everything is looking all good. But at, this, at some point now, it's like, okay, what is the strongest record we got to run with? I felt in my heart. Smooth felt in his heart. Drake felt in his heart. We all felt like, yo, Broken Language was going to be it. It's nothing out. Nothing like this. Right. Nobody's rocking like this. Nobody going back and forth. And y'all killing it lyrically. So that was the idea in I had. So the management at the time that was behind Smooth and everything, they was thinking big labels. Like, yo, let's go to Sony. Let's go to Interscope. Let's go to these big labels. But I was like, yeah, but it was something like, yo, somebody need to believe in us on the label side. Mm -hmm. And I learned that experience from how Select Records believed the MOP mm -hmm. on their first record. Right. And I seen what that did for them. It didn't take them all the way to the top, but it took them where they needed to start from. Mm -hmm. right. you know? So I said, if we can get a label to at least do that for us, then we're going to be good. 
So everybody was kind of against my, my, my judgment. But at that time, you know, I had the production deal. So kind of so, like if I say, you know, okay, this is where we're going to go. It's pretty much what it is, you know. And the artist was with me like, yo, D, if you say so, whatever. And we went back and forth. So we get so on profile. Right. Now profile's like, yeah, you know, we got Run DMC. We got uh, Nan. We got this. You know, all the artists that they felt that they're successful over at profile. Right. It was like, but y'all record is good, but y'all don't, y'all don't have no hook on this record. So what we're gonna do is kind of focus on this hustling record. So the hustling record came out, and hustling record did what it did, you know, because it had a hook, it had everything he was looking for, but we still felt like, yo, we got this one record here that's gonna change it all for us. We fought, we fought, we fought. Now at the time, the A and R was Will Fulton. He wanted to come. Yeah, he wanted to come over there at a profile and, you know, I mean, not profile, but he wanted to come into the situation with us at next level and make some changes. This is where Jay-Z came in the picture. Mm-hmm. Now, Dame, I knew Dame from Clark Kent. Like, mm-hmm. Dame and Clark used to run, like, real heavy. Right. They actually experienced the moment coming to my house on Herkimer and seeing my little studio system with the sewer pipe in the basement. <laughs> and the flushing. And, and making beats. And they like, yo, you doing all this down here in this, like, bathroom type spot. You know, <laughs> right, they was right. excited about that. But that's how far we went back. You know, Clark and Dane was my dudes back then. Right. So shout now we Clark. fast forward. Shout out to Dane. Get yeah, well. Shout out to them. So we fast forward, right? So Jay and Dane was at the point trying to get a label to believe in him at that point. Right. So Will was like, yo, you know, Jay-Z wants to get on this record with y'all. He wants to do a record and this, that, and the third. So I always told Will, I said, I'm cool with it, you know? And then we had this thing where he asked other producers, and at that point, Ski was producing Camp Low. Ski was like, yo, what do you think about, you know? Mm-hmm. They're going to do this. I said, yo, let's let it happen, you know? Because I always thought Jay was nice, you know, but I just didn't really have that relationship with Jay to really dig into his talent the way I wanted to because so much other stuff was going on. But anyway, some politics happened and he didn't get on the record. What was the politics? The politics was that, okay, why would we use Jay-Z at the time when this guy's doing this and this guy, you know, labels making choices, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, yo, come on, let's let it go. They ain't going to hurt nothing. Everybody do remixes, you know. But they stuck to their gun, so the J record and the Smooth Hustler record didn't happen. Damn, then that's man. when Big came around and was like, yo, I'm going to start this movement called Brooklyn Mint. I want to put Smooth in it. I want to put J in it, AZ. I want to take all the illest Brooklyn dudes and, you know, do this. And he used to be like, yo, D, you need to do some beats. Because I didn't really get a chance to dig in Big the way I wanted to pause. The music, you know what I'm saying? I ain't get a chance to dig into that whole sound like that. You know what I'm saying? The way I want to, because Conrad and all those dudes up there was, they was heavy. D Dot and all those dudes, you know, they had that whole team. They had it on Smash, you know. But they gave me some little love, you know. They gave me a couple remixes to hit, couple different things, you know. And I guess if those things would have surfaced the way it's supposed to, then that would have put me in good standards with them. But it was always a politic thing. You know, it's like the politics the politic thing in the business then was very crew driven. Like, this is our crew. Like, who you? You want to be down with our crew? You ain't down with our crew. You ain't really getting in. You outsider. Yeah, you, you outsider. an outsider. So I'm right. like, all right, you know, I can't really be down with your crew, but I could do some things for your crew. Right. 
Right. Yeah, but that ain't how we move it. You know, either yeah. you with us or you against us. Yeah, come yeah. on vacation with us. Yeah, they was more or less. Basically, they like to see people around. Yeah, the thing with them was, you know, it's like, yo, if I don't see you all the time, then then I'm looking at it like this. I don't see you all the time, so at this point, it's like you ain't really in. So that was my fight at Rockefeller too. So even at Rockefeller, I'm like sitting there, yo, your sign MOP. And let's keep it real. MOP sound is me. Like mm -hmm. you sign them, sign me. Right. Well, you know the way rock. You know I'm I'm getting all the crazy politics from there. You know, well, you know, D, cause you know you got to do some things over here. I said, yo, my dude, I got camera music rocking over here. You, you I got bleak. I got beans. I'm doing I'm doing international hustler freeway. I'm doing I'm doing all these records over right. here. What more do I need to do? to get into this situation. So Damien was like, yo, look, listen, I got a special project. You make me happy on this special project. I got you, D. I said, what is that? Then that's when Victoria Beckham came in the picture. So she's now doing the Spice Girl thing. So I give her the records. He in the studio losing his mind, like, oh my God, I didn't know you make music like this. Mm -hmm. I'm like saying to myself, I didn't either, but I'm with So whatever that happened, he kept on the, the, the whole model side. He didn't really concentrate too heavy on the music, but the record's supposed to hit the market. So that was a dilemma. Then it was another situation where Bleak came and then the Tupac and Bleak record had to happen. You know, and the record was called Through My Eyes. So I'm sitting here like, all right. I'm Tupac a and Memphis Bleak? Yeah. They had a Tupac verse. Yeah, a Tupac verse and Memphis Bleak. He did the hook, Bleak did the verses, and that was the combination of that. Wow. And I did that record. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. Bleak gonna have to come up here and talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Now this is, this is, of course this is after Tupac's death. Yep, after Tupac's. And they were willing to have Bleak do a record with Tupac, despite Tupac dissing Jay-Z while he was... Yo, it was, let me tell you, the politic game of it, it was about like, yo, look, listen, man. What's done is done, but over here, we still can keep things moving, you know? It was like, the thing about the music business, and I want everybody to understand, I try to be real careful how I'm gonna say these words. You know, one thing is that you gotta know what you're getting yourself into. And a lot of stuff that I've done, I wasn't aware of what I was getting myself into. So some of it had a lot to do with like, yo, do this and yo, here, here go big check. Cause I'm a big check getter. You know what I'm saying? It was like, what, you gonna give me 50 grand for this beat? Yeah, take it. Matter of fact, take two more. Right. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't turning nothing down, but right. I didn't understand what that was gonna do. I didn't know me doing this record was gonna piss this person off. And I ain't know me doing records with that person was gonna piss this person off. Mm -hmm. So when Drake you says see? like, it's it's really like war. Yeah. And it's, it's when it take all, sometimes you might work with somebody who's associated with somebody else, you actually catch a backlash from that. Yeah, and that has a lot to do with, yo, could we really rock with D? But he be working with dudes we don't rock with. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of that business did start affecting me. But you were able to do production for Tupac and Big. It was undeniable. 
It was like, I'm coming with the right chemistry. I'm coming with the right music. You gotta buy this. And they, they was like, yo, we ain't kind of digging the way he's like neutral with everybody, but he is coming with the heat. Right. So, so we got to put him in. For the record, that's corny. That's yeah, really, yeah, I mean, really yeah. corny. It, it's, it's the petty. industry, man. Yeah, that's that's the corny aspect of the holding holding it against somebody who does not get in the beef with everybody else. That's corny. Yeah, that's but, really, really corny. But for for a lot of these guys, it's it's us because you may not be looking at it like I got a problem with these people over here, but you don't know what they think. You might have stepped on some toes. There's there's so many different ways. That someone's toes can get mashed. Yeah. Oh, they called you for the show. Bro. Oh, yo, tell them we want 15. Oh, now they booked this person. Oh, niggas cutting our throat. Meanwhile, the person they booked might not even know no, that they, you called them first. Flu, and that's what you it was. You what I'm saying? It's, it's it a, lot a lot of that. that. It's a, a lot, lot of that. Stop wearing open-toed shoes. On <laughs> 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 some fucking Timberlands, some sneakers. Stop right. having your toes out with the pedicure shit. Right. right. Like even, even just funny. now, what you said about the yeah. label making the decision not to put Jay Z on a record. Yeah. As far as we knew, right. in the streets, that was Smooth's decision, and yeah. that's why there was friction. Yeah. You yeah. dig what I'm saying? Exactly. But so you, you're told. clearing the air. Yeah, we don't know told. that. And they fixed that, you know, amongst right. them men being men. And he told them what it was, you know what I mean? It wasn't like he ain't wanted them. Like, at the time, it would have been a good look for Jay, because Jay was still coming up, you know? It would have been a good look for Smooth, It would have been a good look for Smooth, because it would have been like, yo, these two Brooklyn dudes going lyrically back to back. It was that type did of chemistry. You, did, you not, did you not, in your career, do you feel you didn't shake the right hands and have the right dinners in order to be involved at the cool kids table. Your talent was enough. Your resume more than speaks for itself. Mm -hmm. Your hits are undeniable. You have classics under your belt. You've worked with classic all-time top five artists. Mm -hmm. Big Pop, Nas, Jay, like all the 50, this one, now Drake, blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh. Do you feel as if your lack of involvement in certain circles has hindered your progress as far as recognition is concerned? Recognition, I say I wasn't a people's person heavy. That I can say because I was a lab cat. Like I said, I was the scientist that sat in there and I put the chemistry together. That's, that's all I focused on. So it wasn't malicious. You just prioritized yeah, that, the that's work. That's what it was because right. the way I was raised to think was let your work speak for itself. You don't need to be in a video. You don't need to go out here and tell people who you are and all that. And during that time, it was like, yo, people read credits. Right. Mm. So if you're reading credits, then, then you're going to see the name. Then you see the name. So mm. that's what gave me a lot of leverage is right. the fact when I said I did something, and they're like, eh. But then when he received the credit, oh, wow, he's on the credits. So he really did. And then I grew heavy in the check cutting world. So I was the dude that always did deals, production deals, mm. P&D deals, little labels and all kinds of deals. I always did those deals. So every artist I walked in the door it was always a situation, you know, set up for me. Right. I just didn't carry the flag of like, yo, I'm DR period, yo, look at me, I'm over here making moves. I never did that because I was brought in to think like this. Yo, if you say you don't, show it. Did you and have an work. aversion to fame? <sighs> did you not want to be, did you avoid the limelight specifically? I had moments. One minute I want something, next minute I don't. Mm. Only time I wanted it is when everybody didn't see me. Mm. 
Like if I'm going to the club and I'm standing online. <laughs> but at the same time, my right. music is playing. I should have been in that goddamn video. You know what I'm saying? And I'm sitting there trying they to convince know me if I was in that video. I'm, I'm doing videos from so, now <laughs> so, so this is one of the moments I'm like, man, I should have just, you know what I'm saying? Right. Show my face a little more. But then I get over it, you know, because mm -hmm. something else great happened for me. Right. So a, a lot of that, of me being that way, and then, remind you, I was managing myself. So here it is, a dude doing all this music, doing all this network, and managing his own business. How do I get time to market and promote myself at the same time? Yeah, because so, with all the labels that you're working with, in that's that time of marketing, you had to be places. Right. Mm -hmm. You had to do things. So if I'm places, then who's in the studio? Because I don't have no other producers. I try to work with other producers, but they couldn't really keep up with the whole idea of like 15 beats a day. Now, mind you, this is what I do a day. Jeez, 15. I wake up and make 15 beats a day. This is the beast mode that I am. To this very day, I make beats like that. 15. I get up, boom, that's my exercise. You know how some dudes get up, hit the gym, do the vitamin drink, get their body in shape, all that, boom, and they ready for the day? That's what I do. Hit the machine, boom, turn it on, boom, knock some joints out, boom, boom, boom. Now I'm ready for the day. Because it's a method to that. Yes, that's crazy. You know what I mean? I'm answering 15. 15. And let me tell you why the method was that. I came across a situation called a publishing arrangement. Mm, yep. So is. when you're dealing with publishing, if nobody knows and understands, publishing is a submitting game. Where you got to submit constantly, give music, constantly give tracks, constantly give songs. And the person that I came across was a company called Spirit Music Group. And I got introduced to them through a uh, big shout out to Freedom Williams from CNC Music Factory. He was one of the first dudes to say, yo, man, you make, you're doing all this music. He recognized the fact that I had an ill work ethic. He was like, yo, this dude workflow is serious. Right. What are you doing with all this music? You don't got enough artists to give all this music to. Mm. Let me introduce you to somebody. He brought me over there. And when he brought me over there, they, they, looked, they looked at my catalog. Yo, you... You know, first they found, yo, you know you sold over like five, five million records? Nah, I ain't know that. <laughs> oh, and then they come back, yo, we just did another appraisal and there's a, yo, you up to 15 million records. I'm like, what? And then, and then, yo, we did another, you know you over like 20 million records in? We just found this one. Yo, and it was going up and over and up. That's why to the day when I say over 30 million records, that's because they did the appraisal. They found all that catalog, all that back catalog. And crazy part about it, I never correct. I never collect correctly on that. At the time. Oh, I was about to yeah, finish that. Sentence. At the time, right. yeah. At the time, I didn't collect correctly on that amount. Mm -hmm. When they showed me the numbers, I said, "Hold it." So we could do a co-publishing. Hold it, and then touch it to this very day. So my retirement plan is gonna be sick. You see how everybody else talking about, yo, they just gave him a yeah. watch what I walk away with. You know That's what I'm saying? Crazy. So at the end of the day, it doesn't bother me because I see what's the retirement process for me. Right. Did you ever think to like really start with all your contacts? You could have signed all of these people that you were working with at one point or another. You could have had them all on your own label. Could have been the original mm. Murder, Inc. Right. Yeah, like considering you, you the, the records with Dipset. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that the, the list could go on and on. But how did that even happen? 
Well, let me tell you, it was it's that one came from me working in a studio, a studio called Sugar Hill at the time in Jersey with Leland Robinson, right? Mm-hmm. Like Leland was my dude. He was up at Motown at the time. And how I met him, I met him through Hank Shockley, because Hank Shockley was over there Bomb at squad. one point. Yeah, Bomb Squad. And I just finished the public enemy situation over there. And they was like, yo. We heard you deal with public enemy now. Like you 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 doing an album, you working with Flame and you you're making choice, you making hits over there. So Leland was like, yo, come to my studio, come to my studio, Dion and that. So I came to the studio and he just signed the artist uh Queen Pen. So he signed Queen Pen over there and they was like, yo, we wanna give her an album deal, you know, we wanna we wanna do this, that, and the third. So at the same time, I started working with Queen Pen. And then what was so crazy. I'm in the room working with Queen Pen one day. Leland come in and was like, yo, man, you know, Cameron is over there. I said, like, yo, so just tell him I said, what's up? He said, well, I tell him say what's up for you and you sit right here. Go tell him yourself. I was like, yo, you got a point. You know what I mean? So I go over to Cam, talk to Cam, say what up, whatever. Cam embrace me right away, you know, boom, boom, boom. And this is when Jewel just starting to get, you know, they starting to pull this whole dipset thing together. It ain't really there yet. Right. So Jim Jones says to me, yo, man, we about to do some mixtapes, man. You know, my man Duke the God, you know, we going to put out our own mixtapes. We going to do, you know, he, he did the whole mixtape spill. I was shout like, all right, whatever. God, so. Yeah, big shout out to Duke the God. My so dog. I said, all right, cool. And then and then Cam was like, yo, I want to do this and do that. And then it was Joel. Joel said, yo, D, man, you remember the, the TV show, The Facts of Life? He said, there's, a, there's the, the theme of that. I want to be like, you take the good, you take the bad, and then you have, you know, he broke it down to me. I was like, yo, that's kind of dope. So I went home that same night, made the beat, bah, 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 came back and gave it to him. It's like, oh, you're doing it like that. So they did it, they put it out. Then I started doing more, put it out, put it out, put it out. So now they got the situation bubbling for them. Now they over at the rock now. So now they did, and now they need that record. Now they've been working and working and working and working. So I'm hearing through the gate round, yo, Kanye West in the studio with him, Just Blaze in the studio with him, the Pharrell about to go in the studio. I'm hearing Timberland coming yeah, and all, all this, right? And I hear a little voice saying, yo, man, Joel told you to come and check him. I said, you know what? I'm just going to pop up. I went over there, popped up. The next thing you know, he was like, yo, we need a record that, that's going to like really take us. So I came back with the beat to Haymar. Hmm. So I came back, I said, yo, listen to this beat, check it out, listen to it. So I flipped it, easy like Sunday morning, took it and ripped it. Yeah. Boom, boom, I do the scratch. Because I knew they was the two-step fly dudes, you know? So I was thinking in that capacity, I said, let me give them something they could bounce to because their swag was crazy. As soon as they heard it, it was like, yo, this is crazy. But we're going to go on a roll, we're going to really, really listen to it, and we're going to come back. I don't even think it was... Two hours, I got a phone call. Yo, we gonna keep that. Yo, keep that. Don't sell that to nobody. Don't give that to nobody. This, that, and the third. Right. So, it was so crazy. The beat was already done. It wasn't normally, it, it was just thought of for them. But the beat was already done. And I had voices on it. And, I, and, and, and it's so crazy. The group that actually had the voice on it, they didn't take the record serious. So I had the beat, took the beat back. And then I was thinking, Dipset, when they came to me with that, and I was thinking the whole chemistry, the way it can marriage together, 
and it was a perfect fit. And then that's how we came up with Hey Ma. Mm. That's how we came up with Hey Ma. When I gave him that record, we was in the studio and one thing led to another. And they were sitting there and they were just running it back and forth. And next thing you know, we got the record. Now, the only thing that bugged me out about it, I didn't know the record was going to be the most BDS spin record of the time, of that era at that point. History. You said Def Jam history? Yeah, Rockefeller. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I got a war, a plaque, everything for it. And I was like, oh, they get plaques for BDSs? <laughs> I didn't even understand how that whole thing worked. But right. it was it was not. You know, ASCAP Awards was they was giving me that and they was like the new producer on on a on a up and coming DR period, this, that, and the third. I, I took it all. You see what I'm saying? Right. But my decision, I always learned to trust my judgment on different <clears throat> things, and that's what built the relationship with Cam. And before I knew it, I thought we was gonna be like rocking. Then here come Eat Makers. They my dudes too. Right. And they gave them another swag. And I started seeing them shifting there. So I started making some more joints. But at that time, at that time, they were so dipset gone. I was like, D, don't, don't even go over here with your little, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not saying that I couldn't compete. Right. But at that time, they were so locked into that direction. Right. So that I became the dipset sound. Yeah, that became the dipset sound. Right. And then I just fell back and I just started doing more other different artists. How many people offered you a label deal? About five, five different people five. offered me. How Four. many of them did you take seriously? I want to know who the five was. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about yeah. five, five deals was offered for me. I mean, offered to me. The only one I took serious was my first one was Select Records. They gave me my first Rockboy record imprint. But they was indie and it was small and I could make mistakes. Hmm. So if I messed up money, I wasn't out in the street. Right. So before I was going to take the major deal, mm -hmm. I wanted to get my feet wet because I never ran a record label before in my life. So I took that experience and I said, I need somebody that I can make some noise with. Then every day I came out of my house with this dude sitting on my stoop. But I knew him, I see him on the block all the time, see him run away. And I'm like, yo, man, why you always on my stoop? What, what do you want? He said, yo, I just want you to hear me. And I said, all right, cool. And he started spitting, and that's Pat Poos. I was like, yo, you're the lyrical one. So he's like, yeah, I'm Pat Poos. I said, yeah, the lyrical one. And it stayed Pat Poos, the lyrical one. So that was the thing, Papoose the Lyrical one. Right. We team, got in the studio, we started rocking. I said, but we need a record that's crazy. He said, man, I've been working on something, but I don't know what you could do with it. Then he came with Alphabetical Slaughter, came to A to Z. At that time, we called it A to Z slash Alphabetical Slaughter. Right. So we did the record, knocked it out. I said, but we need another record that's going to take it somewhere else. Then we did a feature record with Papoose, Coogee Rap, and AZ called Thug Connection. So I took it back to the label. I said, this is one of the first projects that I want to kind of start moving out with and get the, the ball rolling. Right. And they was like, oh, I don't know what this A to Z record is, but yo, this record is crazy. This record is it. I said, all right, cool. Then we put the record out, we printed it up, and that's how we started. So the very first alphabetical sorted that you ever hear, the record ever done, I did. 
Shout out to Pat Poose. Big shout out to Pat Poose. Shout out to Pat. You know? So that was the beginning of me taking the label serious, and then he gave me some money. And he told me to control the budget. Now, mind you, I have never controlled a budget like that before in my life. So I started doing the things that I see everybody else doing. Oh, everybody shit. else was doing street teams and everything. I started hiring teams. As I got, came in the picture, just like fly tight. I went and bought them we a van. I wrapped it. I was like, yo, y'all get ahead, but just don't crash the van up. Right. They took it. <laughs> we was little niggas streets. too. Little and then dirty, I started understanding niggas. that I had it. I had the idea down packed. I had the concept of being a label. So at this point, now I'm ready for the majors. But now, this is where my problem really began. They don't want to give me the label. They want me to A&R. Mm. And I'm like, I don't want to A&R for nobody. I just want to get my own imprint, blow some artists up, and make it all happen. Yeah. I think you should start as an A&R, get a couple more hits under your belt. Couple more hits? Who did that? Like, this, Def Jam did that to me. Universal did that to me. Even Interscope did that to me. Mm -hmm. I was like, A&R? I can't see A&R then, you right. know? Because the A&Rs I was dealing with, all I seen stressed out dudes. And I was like, I don't want to be that. that <laughs> right. it, I could be down with anything else but be sitting in the office all day four corners, can't go to no studio, sit here and listen to all these demos that's on your desk and be stressed out. I couldn't do that. So that was some of the problem is that I didn't want to do the A&R to get to the label situation. Right. So I did production deals. So a production deal kind of gave me the creative control, but not the what we call administrative power to make final decisions. How were they structured? They were set up in a way where I make the music, they put the records out. The imprint says their company slash me. Mm. But the only thing about it, I couldn't control what single go out first. They let me control my money, so I had payroll. That was the good thing about it, I was able to give everybody money. Mm. So everybody was getting paid messing with me, you know what I'm saying? Right. So that was the good part about it. But the bad part about it, it was the wrong choices, the wrong records the wrong decisions that the company wanted to go out first. No which which records were the wrong ones? Like, for example, we take Pat Poo's record. Alphabetical Slaughter was a dope record, but I think Thug Connection should have been a single. But they thought Alphabetical Slaughter because they loved the lyrical content, and I thought it was a good street record. But if you wanted to put money behind that record, I thought Alphabetical, I mean, Thug Connection would have been the record due to the fact that we had AZ and we had Coogee Rap. Right. So that would have took the radio different. And it was one of those records. Nice hook, nice beat and everything. And then I think it would have blew him to a point. Then he came with Alphabetical Slaughter. So it was stuff like that. Like right. what I thought would be first, they always want the opposite of me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I started realizing like, oh, I'm fighting like, you know, a war here. Right. So I backed down from the production deal. Then I just started going back independent just started putting everything out myself and stayed there. And then I got to a point in my life where it was like, you know what? Do I really need to make records? What do I need to do? So I stopped making records for a minute and started doing publishing placements and stepped my game up all the way. Break I started doing catalog building now. It's a different break, world. Break it down, break it down. Okay, making records is about the artist getting to the hit, and see what get to radio. 
publishing is about building catalog and getting TV, film, commercial, placement. So I started moving so much. I got with Wendy Williams and became a part of the, um, the program, the music director program where art in them up at the time. And I was doing all the music bags. So the, the publishing house had it all registered. So every time they talk, hey, we got a new this and that and that, my beat is under it. Mm. I'm making money. And I started thinking, wow, now I can make money just from making beats without an artist? I went stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I went stupid. It was nothing else. I started yeah. went from 15 beats a day to 25 beats a day. So when I started submitting files, I literally was submitting like 100 and something beats. Oh. Uh, Weak to these people. Mm, that's this monster. is how I was going hard. That's right. monster. And that's why I had, I say, 60 or maybe 75% of the network playing stuff. Even to this day. That's why they can't let Annie Up go. Like, Annie Up plays in everything. Teenage mm. Mutant yeah. is a total Anything movie. you see, that record will get placed. Facts. That's how much value that that record got. Now, how, yeah. did, how did that record come to be? Okay. So let's, uh, we Wait. want... Yo, there's too much to talk about. Because <laughs> I'm skipping full along, Blaze. Like, wait, how did it, you, you skip more money yeah, with Nas it, and AZ? Like, yeah. That was yeah. my shit. It's a lot of records. Wow. Are you in the studio with them when they're recording these? Yeah. Or? Yeah. I was in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. Especially More Money, More Murder. That was the most interesting uh, session I ever seen Nas and AZ, and AZ have. How so? Because they was listening to me. And it was real crazy because... A, one of those dudes, he write, but he don't want to write in front of you. He want to go and do his thing over here. Right. He wants you to leave him alone and let him do his thing. And Nas the same way. Nas start rolling up and, and just sitting there. You know what I'm saying? And then he start writing. So everybody's like in their own little space. But I'm sitting there watching and I'm like, this station is kind of boring. So I go over there and just be like, yo, hey, what are you doing? And the A be like, yeah, I'm, I'm about to do such and such, such. And then I start dropping it. Yeah, but Nas said he gonna, he gonna do this and he gonna do that. Hey, what? So A lean to the side and start writing a little harder. Yeah. I go over to Nas, yo, Nas, what you doing over there? He like, hey, you know, I'm doing this. And I said, yo, A over there, he, he getting it in it. So now I'm creating so you, you instigate. <laughs> yeah, I'm instigating it. Brownsville shit. It's so like they, Brownsville nigga so shit. they they literally battling in some sense, but for good, not battling <laughs> right. like right. who's better than other, but, but who could come with the illest verse at the uh, moment yeah. for the song, and that's how more money, more murder came about. That's my shit. So when you hear the the lyrical content of the song, you like, yo, these dudes are spilling out their pin game for real. real. Yeah, that's because just because DR period chose violence. <laughs> I started throwing sparks in the air and, 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 and no credit took it away from them. They, they already nice. Yeah. Right. But to be told Ooh. that someone over there is doing something right, right be a little right. better than you, man, that's going to raise your levels. My man <laughs> instigated it. And it was and, dope. It was dope. It was like dope. Yeah, he's trying to act like his friend is the reason he got kicked out of school. Nah, so. nah it was DR Pippen. <laughs> <laughs> he left out the fact uh -huh. all those niggas he put on, uh -huh. from MOP, Pat Poose, Smooth and Trig, they all from Saratoga, Brownsville niggas. Right. Yeah, Brownsville right. Saratoga. So I created right. this Brownsville sound, and mm -hmm. I called it Ugly Face Music. Because every time my beats came on, everybody used to be like this. Scrunch yeah. I said, why everybody make that face every time yeah. they hear my music? Yeah. I was like, it's that ugly music. Right. So then I just started running with it, you know what I mean? Right. And it was so crazy because the only people 
They didn't want to hear that. Was AZ and Nas. They didn't want that. Right. They was like, yo, your beats is dope. But man, we want to rhyme, man. We don't want to be yelling and screaming. They <laughs> felt like every time they hear those kind of beats, they got to get a lot of energy. But they, right. they was like, and then and they're I not realized those, they're not those type of dudes. They wasn't yeah. no, they was lyricists. They right. was ones that wanted to let the, the, the flow and the pin green ride. Right. So I had to kind of go with, you know, the program. And then I start softening it up, bring the melodies up, pull back the drums. Mm-hmm. And then I found the niche. And then that's how it all started. Then A was like, yo, I'm doing another album. Come on on. Do another album. And then I can tell you another interesting story that bugged me out about the craziness. So here it is. A's on the album. I think album three. Mm-hmm. So we had a place, A need a record. And I sent a record called Welcome Back. Right? So A liked the beat. He, he did his thing. But I was told that, you know, he's not going to use it. So he's like, yeah, we're not going to use that. We're just going to do something. So I had to give him some more music. So he wasn't going to use it. Then another opportunity came. Onyx came around. So Onyx was like, yo, we want you on this new album we working with. You know, back yeah. the fuck up part two. They just, we want you on it because yeah. you got what we looking for. So I started giving them joy, giving them joy. Then I thought about that. Welcome back. I said, yo, so if y'all coming back, then that welcome back. They ain't going to use it. And, and that ain't going to happen. They went crazy. They called it Slam Harder. Onyx go bananas on his joint. Right. They, I mean, they had Queens. I ain't see so many people out there like that. They had everybody in this joint. So the record is, is a crazy record. Now the craziness, Onyx is scheduled to drop. AZ is scheduled to drop. And Oz once again. Hey, they come with the bull. You know what I'm saying? Right. They're gonna put out Welcome Back as a skit from AZ at the same time while. Onyx is pushing Slam oh. as the single. Mm. So I go to the label like, yo, why do y'all do that? Now I got Sticky on the phone. Yeah, man. And I'm like, yo, bro, they ain't like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Then I got A, hey, yo, D-U-A-I. Yo, A, hey, it ain't like that. Yeah. But then come to find out, it's the A&R no. dude that made that call for A. Which the beat supposed to have been sent back. And he's like, I don't even know how that ended up on the album anyway. So you didn't speak thing, to A. Right. I didn't speak to A. You didn't speak to Onyx yeah, and I none of them. I didn't speak to none of them. It damn. just all happened to come and, out. And this the is same how that time. team shit happened. And this would create friction with right. me and Onyx for a second and then me and A for a second. It make but it look like you the bad guy. When they found out damn. that it wasn't my cause, like, yo, I don't press the records up. I don't put them out. And then one person ain't going to use it. I'm going to take the beat somewhere else and somebody right. else going to use it. You right. know? In those days, you running for the check. Who's going to use it? Who's going to whatever? But, you know, one thing they did, and I kind of think why they did that that way, people used to pay me in advance. That's, I was that dude. You did give you a beat, you gave me a check. If you didn't give me the whole thing, you gave me half of it. And the half supposed to be when I lay it or if I lay it or if I don't, then we just move on to something else, give me something else, and that's right. going to go towards But, uh, but they take the it as like a holding. Yeah. Right. So they took that. As if they paid me and then got the nerve to put me in a crazy zone with 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 me, A, my peoples, me, Onyx, my people. You know, big shout out to Onyx, man. They they was they was men about it. They were right. like, yeah, D, you know, we, we found out that these dudes were suckers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. A found out that that was a sucker move. So right. 
everybody looked at it like that and was like, nah, D ain't on it like that. So I got back in good standings with everybody and we continue on doing business from that point on. But right. that's the madness of record labels. You got to know what you're getting yourself into because they will do anything. Because at, at that point, all the labels was fighting to see who get the first numbers in the first week. Mm-hmm. That means they got to stab you, stab you just to make him look good. They're going to do it. Right. And, that, and you know what I'm again, that's where that team shit came from. That's where it came from. Because it felt like war. Yeah. So then now I'm going into labels and I'm trying to make moves. So we're going to rewind a little bit. Let's talk about the situation I had at uh, Def Jam. How I got barred from Def Jam. You got barred? I got barred from Def Jam. That don't even sound right. I know. It don't sound right. It don't sound crazy. And I got barred because of music. Now, let me tell you what happened. We in the era of horrorcore, right? So Def Jam, Russell, he's with it. Russell, my dude. Russell on board. Russell's this, that, and the third. Everybody at Def Jam is with it. Leo Cole was the only one that was mad. He hated horrorcore music. He thought it was devil music. He hated it so much, he said, yo, tell that dude DR, don't come up here with that scary movie, music, Whatever he's doing, he can't come in his building. So I'm starting to go mm. to Def Jam, and I'm getting rejected. And I didn't understand. And now I understand because the album now is getting ready to come out. And people, they name the album USA. And the album stands for Under Satan Authority. So now you got all these different organizations. Jesus Christ. Protesting <laughs> Def Jam. And Def Jam never had that mm. for music. They right. never had problems like that with people writing letters mm-hmm. and government and then a radio station talking about music that they're releasing that's going to destroy the kid's mind and, and change the spirits of people. And all because I did Horrorcore. I had that album and never knew what that stood for. Yeah. Well, I'll, yes. be, I'll be on. I'll be, that's I'll why be you honest, just said man. Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, you got a well, you got a rapper willing to hang yourself, my nigga. Like, yeah. It's a little dangerous for the kids to be watching that shit. I'm just saying, if I walk in a room, my son is like, "Yo, look at this rapper hanging this." Nah, turn that shit off, bro. <laughs> turn, turn that off. So, turn that off. The second single was called Satanic Verses. Satanic Verses, and the sad thing about it, I'm on a hook. <laughs> Yo, what, 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 what religious faction you down with? No, no I'm, I'm God is first <laughs> yeah. in my life. Right, you that's play, why I came in here now. Yo, I you came in here and played a gospel yo, record. That's <laughs> now you understand. <laughs> I'm saying I'm good. My life is good I, now. I, I, I'm not with it. All you right. know what I'm saying? Right. So, <laughs> so it's very, 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 very important. You know. Right. So at the end of the day, when I when I turned around and I and I and I see that. That was something that stopped me from growing because it almost blackballed me in the game. Because mm. now I'm known the dude, you gotta watch D, because D, he be throwing that devil music in us. <laughs> he be having those satanic sounds and his frequencies is demonic. And yo, I was hearing all kinds of stuff. Off the chick you found on the train, you gotta hear this. Yo, but I thought it was a success. <laughs> I thought that was a creative, a genius thing. <laughs> I thought it was genius. I mean, I Those think niggas heard that shit. Stephen King can make movies and people get West scared. Craven. No. Why I can't I'm, make I'm music? T- I'm going to you know tell, tell, tell you why it was a bad thing. Because I knew somebody that used to listen to Flatliners. Mm-hmm. And I got kicked out of Wingate. I had to go to this, um, this program, Linden Learning. And the dude that sat next to me, 
You know, I thought he was a little slow, but he was a cool nigga. You know what I mean? He's not talking about you, Matt. But he, <laughs> he pointing at he you, but he's not talking about he you. He used bro. to listen to, to the flatline and shit. Mm. And then one day he turns to me and he's like, "Yo, uh, I want to introduce you to the gatekeeper." I said, "The gatekeeper? What the fuck is you talking about? The gatekeeper?" He said, "No, the gatekeeper." And they went in his pocket. He pulled out a rock that had paint on it and wax from burning candles on it. Wow. I said, yo, what the fuck is that? He was like, this is the gatekeeper, I feed him. And uh, I was like, nah, I can't fuck with this nigga, yo. man. Like, <laughs> like son, go, go sit over there, son. You can't sit next to me no more, man. You pouring 40s on rocks and think that you feeding them. Nah, you think that's something? Nah. <laughs> These dudes would come to the studio with Ouija boards and candles and turning lights down. Yeah. Yo, I had a cross, I kid you not on my wall mm -hmm. in the studio right. on, on the door. This is why I'm doing, this is Headless Horseman. Right. They was into this style of music so hard, I'm in there creating. And I heard a sound, Ooh, and I didn't know what that was. It didn't come out my speakers or whatever. I turned around and looked at the wall, I mean the door with the cross on it, it turned upside down. And right then and there, abandoned ship. I stopped doing hardcore beats. Right there, you right said. then and there, I said, "Yo, this something is wrong." <laughs> I, I told my moms about it. I told my moms about it. She was like, "Let's pray." Let's pray. I kid you not. They thought these niggas I be kid you not. Yo. Cool, son. These niggas was dead, so that's and I had a group called the the Punishers that follow suit. If these dudes make it, here come the Punishers. <laughs> and it was getting crazy. I had a whole little crew of hard yeah. dudes Yo. going crazy. Yo. Then here come RZA with the Grave Digger and uh. doing their thing. Oh, so shit. this thing is growing right now. Uh. But at the same time, I'm trying to ban this shit. I'm like, this is over. For me, I, I can't do this. This is trying to. Niggas is trying to possess your soul. I'm not you selling ain't no beats it. now. Yo, let me tell you, this is crazy. I'm not selling no beats. The record company barred me. Like, I'm, the checks is stopping. The world is about to go down for me. Yo, it was crazy. You know what saved me? Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. That's why God gets the glory. God gets the glory right now. After my mom's prayed with me, yo, things changed. She said, you're going to have to do some music. You're going to have to leave that alone. If, if, if things in the house are moving, something is here. We got to get rid of it. Let's pray. That's all she kept saying. Let's pray. So I kept doing it. I kept doing it. And then... It hit me. There was another opportunity at Def Jam again. So this time they got Chris Lighty involved. They got Dante Ross involved. Rest in peace, Chris Lighty. Rest in peace to Chris Lighty. Chris Lighty and Dante Ross involved. They just gave Chris Lighty violated records. Gave Dante no doubt entertainment. So I'm like, okay. Russell's talking to me. He ain't stopped talking. It was just Leo and I was barred from the building. So now. An opportunity showed up. Kevin Lyles is in control of this program, I mean, this um, soundtrack called Nutty, Nutty Professor. Professor. So they needed a record. 
and he needed a leading record case. So mind you, I I got because I'm I've got Foxy Brown and all of them. I'm making mm -hmm. their own music. I, I'm doing everything. I'm right. the dude that's touching everything. Right. So now, Touch Me Tease Me is doing what it's doing and killing it. But now here come okay. What's that other record we case? need? Touch Me Tease Me Case. Yeah, that was case. your record too. Nope, oh. that's not mine. Okay. But All right, I, right. I'm just saying that right. was the first lead off. Yeah. Right, 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 we right, needed right, that right. other right. record yeah. to to start. Then I took them Smooth, Trigger, and DBL. Christ, shout out to Christ. I took them. Shout out to right? Christ. Yeah. Yo, big shout out to Smooth, Christ, Trig. They went in there. Long shots. Yo, and they listened to me. Smith Brothers. They listen to me, right? So I say, yo, I'm going to let y'all know this is for Def Jam. They like, what? Def Jam rocking back with you? I'm like, not quite yet. <laughs> right. I got something goes. for Let's but, see how this goes. if I bring them a record with a nigga named Christ on it, it might, <laughs> <laughs> it might help. Yo. <laughs> Christ, my brother. Shout to Christ. That's my man. So we're going to change this narrative about me up here right now. Right. So I make the record. My crew can't go for that. So they had a big meeting. So everybody in the building is in the, 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 the conference room. So they just waiting to hear some satanic craziness <laughs> coming from me. But as soon as it came on, they was looking because the record starts up with vocals. <laughs> so they thought it was going to go there. But then as soon as DBL is started, crew can't go for that. that no. No, uh, no okay. can't So everybody started like, okay, okay. Yeah. And then when the time the whole record is, they was like, yo, you killed that record. Yo, you killed that record. Russell on the other end, like, <laughs> Leo, like, and, and, and I don't cuss. So he was like, you mother, you told me that. <laughs> right. Like, you pulled it off. You you okay. And that's how I got back in the building. That's what's up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out. Shout Get this guy off the screen. Get, the, that. get that guy off the screen. Because of, uh, because of that record, Nick Dogg was actually born. Before David Ellis Christ, there was no Nick Dogg. I got to think about that. Yeah, we got to think That's about that. Can you repeat that? There was no David no Okay, Nate check this out. The style, David Ellis start. There was no Nick Dogg. It wasn't there yet. He was Nate Dogg was around, but he he didn't have it the way DVL is. That's why they used to always compare the two, mm -hmm. because we on the East Coast, they on the West Coast doing their thing, but they had their little thing. I have heard him doing his little thing, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But they growing like we growing at the same time. Right. It looks like the style was birthed from DVL is. Mm. Because the way D.B. Elias was doing it, you know? It but, just seems like that. Yeah, I like, was, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not saying that is the exact facts. Right, 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 right. right but right, right. it felt like that. Because no way first, to know. if you, you over here in Brooklyn doing something and then out of nowhere you hear somebody doing something so similar to you and you know you're already making records with that, Automatically, you're gonna think, yo, where they get that from? That was you 95, know? right? Yep. When D.B. Elias dropped. Mm -hmm. When they, um, Nate dropped. Nah, nah, nah Regulate was out already, right? If I'm correct. What year, what year did Nate, um, Nate Dogg drop? Because I know 95, that's when D.B. Elias Christ was, he started, you know what I mean? 94, 95. Def well, Jam at that time was infamous for getting a member of a crew that was popping. 
So yeah. Bone Thugs were out, they wouldn't sign a member of Bone Thugs. If this crew was popping, they wouldn't sign a member of that crew. Like right. Wu Tang dropped, Wu Tang was on loud, they ran and got Method Man. Like yeah. they were always going to get the, the and a that's guy from that crew. Drop. They had got Christ, they had got Fifty Fifty Gamble. He had him beat. Nate was out first. Nate was out when? Yeah. Ninety four. That's when yeah. that's Christ the same came time weekend. Well, so that's the same time. So it's the same time. That's why it felt like that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I ain't gonna say that was the actual truth or the actual fact. Like he heard DBL, he said, "I'm gonna do that." Nah, he you could tell he had his own thing. Yeah. But you, you can popularize something. Like if, mm -hmm. if this thing happens, how do I say this? Red Man opens. Red Man, no, even better. Even better. Lauren Hill's success opens the door for so many more people to come Neo through. Soul. Because the labels see that this can work due to the success Badu, of somebody. Yeah, and it, it creates that sound. Now here comes sound. all this other stuff. Right. Like, so I, I'm not, it doesn't have to be a bite for somebody to go, oh shit, wait, we have a guy who's doing something. It could be a vibe. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it could have been a yeah. vibe because I'm not going to lie, when I hear other producers doing stuff I wasn't doing, they made me motivated to get on my game. So they energy rubbed off for me and that's what made me create something else to compete with them you know but it wasn't no straight i'm gonna take their style or this that it was more like yo they killing it but you I didn't need more you baselines didn't come, I you didn't want to bigger. compete on the corporate side though well the corporate side was always questionable because the way the A&Rs used to act to me mm -hmm. you see yeah. my business was very very suspect with the companies one minute they offer me something the next minute they telling me you got to go this route to get it you know, and that route meaning, yo, we're going to give you the production deal, but you need to make two more hits over here first or make a hit record over here. Then we can go and give you that mm -hmm. and they kept stuff like the that. And then it kept shifting it when the records came, when the hit come or whatever. Like Rockefeller, prime example, before I actually got in, I those records have to become hits. Right. Now, mind you, I came over there, this MOP, we, we, we coming out of Annie up. We, I'm already coming in strong. So, you know, everybody else who come over there strong, they get signed, they get their chain, they get noticed. I'm at the press conference and everything. I'm watching Kanye West announce his, yo, I'm the new most deaf over at Rockefeller. I'm, I'm hearing all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Everything is ringing in the building. And I'm sitting there like, yo, come on, I'm coming in strong. See me, see me. You're right. using me for all these artists in here and, and doing little different things. I know I'm qualified to be down. Right. But at the end of the day, I, I believe it was more of a circle of friends. Like, yo, you ain't really our friend. You dope, but you ain't really our, our friend. friend. Right. Mm. So the, mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff was like, Hitting me. I wasn't cool with everybody because, mind you, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't, I don't do all the stuff they do. I don't be at the parties. I'm not pulling up with the That's why I said you got to go on vacation, Crazy man. car and doing the most. You, you know right. what I'm saying? Showboating and bragging. I'm You're not, not doing socializing that. the same way. Yeah. So I, I look a little bit like, yo. The outsider. Who this dude? Like, yeah, he, he nice, but yeah, he don't rock that. with us like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and to be you honest, know, at the time... The, the competition was so crazy that everybody was on high alert. You might have heard yeah. a record over here and then somebody go over there and be like, yo, y'all need to flip this. You couldn't just let anybody in. Right. in. First of all, you want to keep the money under one roof. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, if you have a reputation for being a contract killer, you can go anywhere. If we start building our infrastructure around you and then you go 
do a record for the competition who we are immediately in in head-to-head competition with. That's mm-hmm. a problem. We compromise mm-hmm. the whole shit yeah. mm-hmm. by bringing you in. So I can see that example. Mm-hmm. On the other end, the things you're telling, I mean, I'm biased. Mm-hmm. I got those exact same hangups. I don't drink, I don't smoke. So certain circles, they're you not comfortable. Yeah, you ain't right. cool in that. You know yeah, what I mean? Everywhere I go, it's like, yo, what you smoke? Yo, it. Or, yo, what you drinking? Yo, here. And which I'm is like, the, which is like, like, that's the cool. Yeah, bus, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, nah, I'm good. They mm-hmm. like, you're not good. And then they look so at now they smoking and they looking at me like, yeah. dude, <laughs> he, he lied to me up. But <laughs> no, no, like, no. I'm looking diff- I'm looking crazy to them. But I get it. No, no, I get they, it. What happens is they get- You have to find the other thing. Right. They get, a, they get comfortable with their vice. You don't share their vice. Now they're worried that, one, you're going to judge them. Mm-hmm. Two, you're gonna take advantage of them when they're whatever, whatever they've been doing. Right, because we're not on the same level. Sober head. I, so so I hate smoking person. by myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, so most saying? most smokers <clears throat> smoke Smoking by themselves. It's right. a social activity, right. drinking right. and smoking. Those are yeah. two social. Yeah, that's yeah. a part of the network. So when you walk in a room and somebody goes, "Yo, what you drinking?" They're trying to show. They're trying to build a bond yeah. with you. And you right. say ginger ale. They're looking at you like, "Wait, oh, this what? yeah, yeah, I'm bugging. This yeah, ain't about bugging. to judge me." Yo, he won't ruin <laughs> ginger ale. And, and then, you cu- then you couple that with the satanic rumors, uh-huh. and it's like, <laughs> I'm gonna get high, and this nigga's gonna possess my soul for, for life. <laughs> the course is gonna flip upside down. It's gonna be wild. Oh, that's shit. satanic shit. <laughs> <laughs> you produced the um, blueprint two. <laughs> that's another <laughs> story. You, you produced the blueprint two record, right? Were you in the studio when Jay recorded no, that? No, that was another record. That was a record that. Let me tell you a story about that. So here it is. Sauce. No, no, not sauce. Double XL. Okay. So Jay's doing the new album, Double XL, and they got the what you call star producers of the show. Mm-hmm. So you see the double XL, J new album, blueprint coming too, and this, that, and the third, whatever. Boom, boom, boom. So you see Pharrell, Kanye West, Just Blaze, mm-hmm. Timberland, DR period. The these are the key producers of the album. Now I know my my, my, my joints in and I know the it's been written and anything. Credit come back. Produced by Prestige. What? Uh-huh. Charlemagne? The dude named Charlemagne. Not Charlemagne the Guard, there's a new dude. Yeah, Charlemagne. I thought it was Prestige. Another dude. Yeah. Okay. Charlemagne. Thanks for correcting me. Mm-hmm. Produced by him. So I'm sitting there going, what happened? Same beat, same track, same energy. Then we had a problem for a second. What's going on? Nobody's going to kill nobody. No, none of that. Oh, is this a typo? Is it Mr. That's How? A huge typo. I, 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 deal memos go through. Everything go through. You know, checks is cut. Everything is right. dead. Come back. We're going to fix it. First 500 that go out. First 500,000. Then the next set of credits, you got it. So I had to wait to the turnaround. Right. But then at the same time, it's like, why even talk about something that, you know what I'm saying, you can't really get the glory for? You know, so... I still talked about it. I still was like, yo, whatever. Promoted. But they, they made up. They made up because they gave me my production deal. They set me straight. They told me all the artists on the label I have access to. And you can do whatever you want to do with these artists and that and that. So not only that, because it's not a problem. They fixed it. It was a problem. That look was a problem. So to the day, it's like 
we fixed it. It's all good. How did the mistake you know get made in the first place? I don't know, because they started building what they called Rockefeller never had in-house producers. The only people that was really producing a lot was the engineer guru, Jess Blaze, uh, Kanye. Kanye. You know what I'm saying? So they was the ones that really was doing the most of that body and vocal work. But then all these little other guys started showing up and then the mix-up started happening. And I know I was trying to get in that seat. I was trying to get in that seat with them to be one of the main guys. But because M.O.P. was over there, I was going to get in the seat anyway. Mm -hmm. Because they are not doing the album without me. So they Mm -hmm. like, yo, we in, you in, let's make it happen. We fixed the problem in other ways. You know, like even Dame coming to me, giving me the um, Victoria Beckham and saying, D, mm-hmm. you do that. That was dope. You know what I'm saying? So he made up in a lot of sense. So I don't really feel like I got my best J records off. You know, it was either features or it was that little typo, you know, that little mistake. But yeah. I know that even the remixes, all the remixes they gave me. I laced those too for the mixtape stuff, but they was mixtape, you know? Yeah. And then SAS came, then Jewel came, then uh, Freeway, then Beans. I remember that property. night, the state property mm. on a soundtrack. Like, I was getting busy. Right. I was over there. So, yeah, that was, a, that was a bad move and a bad situation. But it turned into something. But it turned yeah. into something great. Just we like, made the best out of the best. Yeah, like I, mean, the, I mean, yeah, yeah, it turned around and worked in my favor. So right. to me, that was dope. Just you know like what I'm saying? Language. Where they flipped it, boom. You know a what glitch, I'm saying? A glitch. A glitch. A there you go. Right. There you go. I'm getting the feeling that, that um, you have a keen ability to see the brighter side of things. I do. I do, because there's a part of me that God works heavy on. When I got God in me, got myself saved, I don't look at things the same. A problem is a blessing to me, because that means the opportunity is about to come to show God that he can get the glory out of it. Right. You see? So I look at it different. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm built on that. That's why even to this day, people don't understand. Like, yo, D, you still around? And yo, you rapping now. What is the deal with you rapping now? Right. Like, why you wait all this time to start rapping? Because right. now I got a reason to rap. Because God gets the glory in what I do. I ain't rapping for me. I'm the messenger. You right. see what I'm saying? My thing is here now is to share the gospel with you. If you want it, it's there for you. If you don't, then you'll find it on your top. This whole album yeah. is gospel. Though. I was in the hard. studio like this. I kid you not, what this is, is some of the that? best records right. I ever made in my life. Wow. Mm. Some of the best records I ever made in my life. That's a bold statement. And That's I kid it. you not, and I don't, I want, I don't, I don't feel good to sit here and, and, and do the chest pumping thing. But I am nice. <laughs> <laughs> I am nice. <laughs> my job. My job. Straight up. You know what I mean? I'm um, nice. I'm nice on production. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. the moment. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. nice on production, nice in writing, nice in spitting, nice in flowing, nice in record making, nice in mixing, nice in mastering, nice in recording, nice already. in everything. Yo, let me tell you how nice I am. <laughs> now let's get down to it. <laughs> this is how nice I am. I'm so nice where I can go in the studio and you can tell me you never rapped in your life. Give me two hours. You'll sound like you've been doing it for 14 years. That's how nice I am. 
And that record will be that convincing where people will be like, yo, I didn't know you was that nice. Because that's how I know how to pull a record together. And not only do I know how to pull a record together, if you don't got the words, I can write it for you. And not only do I can write it for you, I make the beat right there on the spot. I don't even got to play beats for you. I can tell you exactly what we want to do and I make it right there on the spot. And then when I'm done with that, I mix it, then I master it. Then let me blow your mind now. Let's go in the next room. Let me take some photo shoots of you. Then let me show you how nice I am on graphics. Now let me do your art cover. Now let me put that together. Now let me set it up. Now let me do your descriptions. Now let me build your, your ISRC codes. Now let me put it in a system. Damn. Now let me shoot your video. Hold Damn. on, I'm telling hold you Hold on, hold nice up, Mac. Hold up, Mac. Check this out. I'm so nice to the point now I'm doing all your commercials. Now I'm breaking it down. Then I'm going to not only do that, I'm going to shoot your video. Then I'm going to edit your video. And then I'm going to build it in a way where I can show you the marketing campaign from the top of the year to the next top of the year. How you need to drop 12 singles. You understand what I'm saying? And every quarter you drop an EP. And that's four EPs during the whole quarter and 12 singles during the whole year. And then I guarantee you next year after that you will have... Tons of results. Now I need to. I ask. accept. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I accept. I need to ask. Hold on, hold on. Damn. 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 Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. We can clap it up. So clap it up. So. But how nice are you all with the contract and the prices? That's what I need I'm to nice know. I'm nice with that too. That's where you go to these folks over here. That's where you go to. You fly tie. You go in the queen. I'll talk to you guys later. Right there. That's where that comes at. Let's deal. Name a couple of movies. Well, a lot of the movies where you had your music played in. Name some of the movies. That's, name, that's name, too many. Name that's the it. top five, though. Top five. Movies. Well, the, a lot of them is all major movies. They right. Ain't no name B them. movies. They, well, there's a couple B movies, but they very, very... I'm talking about from You Got Served to uh, House House Party. House Party 3. House Party 3 to uh, the, the Last Castle. The Ninja Turtles. The New Turtles. I'm, I'm just, just trying to remember... Now, when I tell you my resume on movies is long, you will have to go to drperiod.com and look at discography for TV placements. Great. And you will sit there and you will be thinking you're looking at a publishing house. That's how many movies. I mean, TV shows, love and hip hop and on. You name them, I did them. I got music and everything. Instrumental, songs, everything. That's how I work. See, my work skills is there. The key to me is outdo everybody work-wise. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the era. Now, let me show you what I do. That's why I'm sitting in this chair. I need to show you what, what I, I do. What I do. Well, here we See are. See what I'm saying? Here we now, are. Here we are. D, D, can I say this over? Go ahead, Todd. I know you're going to say something I, I, nice. I'm going to but right. I got to jump in. Because we done went from, we, we went from early 90s slash 2000s we didn't really go to the crazy MOP. We ain't going there yet. But I just gotta say, what we didn't hit was pause. <laughs> gotta relax. What we didn't hit was pause. Go ahead, Ty. The Rizzo. Okay. Before he was, was it Prince Rakeem? Oh, you trying to go back? Go back. They went past that. They didn't cover that yet. Right. Okay. When you did Wu Tang before it was Wu Tang. Yeah, okay. So, so, so we can talk about the RZA. Now, the RZA, that's my dude. 
We right. shout out to RZA. The RZA recently put a uh, interview out letting everybody know, yo, I got a lot of Jews from working with DR. Period. I saw that. And, and, and some of this is a lot more to it, but I respect them for that because when RZA was Rakim at the time on Tommy Boy, mm -hmm. and just like Jizza was uh, the genius, you know what I'm saying? Over there at uh, Cold Chillin' at the time, come girl, come, girl, come do me remixes mm -hmm. and the uh, Rakim. Rock come yeah. on, this is, on this is all DR at this time. This is all DR at this time. So I'm just basically had to rewind because I, I I know his point was go back a little bit more so you can show that there's people that is in position and killing it. And I had a lot to do with the fact. Uh, even how the way some of these guys think, how the way they even organize, how the way they even do. But this goes back to how nice I am, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hell That's what it goes back to. It is. Yeah. 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 No, 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 no. Alpha, Alpha, you didn't speak about the Annie up. We did. Yeah, we did. No, we didn't. We talk about Annie up. We talk about Annie Elf, how it was made. Oh, I didn't tell you the story that the, the that happened the night that Annie Elf was made. Now, you want to hear that story? Let's, let's we can get into that. Let's go. So now, Annie Elf, <clears throat> MOP's at a place now. The album is done. Big shout out to Premier. That's my dude. Premier, don't forget me. Premier always let everybody know, yo, D, my man. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So... It's a couple. Easy Mo B, all of them. D Dot, you know. Shout out to Easy Mo. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yo, them dudes is my dudes. I love those brothers. Um, so the night of Annie Up is made. Now we at the point. Loud is like, yo, we gotta get this last MOP record. You know, the body of the record is done. But now, because at this time I couldn't get on the album the way I needed to get on the album, because I'm doing everything. I'm I'm just trying to live. I'm trying to work. I'm trying to make it all you know stay together. So. I was hard to get up with. So Lays called me one day and was like, yo, D. And I was like, yo, what's up? Come on, man. I know you busy, but we got to get back together and get this MOP business done. And I'm like, all right, whatever, because that's the only way they caught me. And then Fane came to see me and was like, yo, Lee, you cold, man. You cold, man, because I had to call Lays to get you to sit down and play some beats <laughs> for me, right? <laughs> so anyway, we gets to the Annie Upbeat. So now, I play all the newest joints I'm just doing now. Cause fame know I got a big habit of, I'm happy to see him, and I just want him to hear what I've been doing for the last three months, four months. So I'm sitting there just banging out beats and just letting him hear joints, and he like, oh, yeah, yeah, buddy, where my joint at? Right. You know what I'm saying? So I got to take him through that whole cycle. Then I finally got to the folder that I already had on reserve for them. So I played beat one. He was like, yo, that's crazy. And then the next one was, so did you hear, he literally dropped to his knees like, yes, this is it. <laughs> Took it, went, told Bill, everybody, boom, boom, boom. So the night we on 23rd, uh, 30th Street, one of them studios. So they up there, everybody getting it in, they writing it in, they making a record. I gets up there, park my car right in front of the studio. Mm -hmm. Goes up to the studio, and the record was so amazing. I mean, every all the vibes in the room was incredible. Come down from the studio, my car gone. <laughs> they told, Somebody they told my car. car. So 
I'm City hearing an incredible record and walk outside and my car's gone. Mm -hmm. I was so heated the car was gone, but I didn't care. And I actually walked over to the tow yard to get my car. I walked there from where we was at at the studio. I didn't take no cab or nothing. I just felt these goosebumps like, yo, this is going to be one of those records. Mm. I didn't know what it was going to do, but I felt that in my soul because my thing was, how do you outdo How About Some Hardcore from MOP? Right. Mm -hmm. So now I'm like, I'm in competition with myself. Mm -hmm. Like if I gave him a record that's like, How About Some Hardcore is supposed to be it. Like right. it gets no better than that. You, you know what I'm saying? Right. It's like Drake doing a chronic. And how do you outdo a chronic? Like, right. like anything, you know? So it was one of those moments with me with MOP. But when Annie Up came, and I seen how everybody went crazy for it, then the calls came in. Bust, yo, God, I got to get on that record. Everybody, yo, I got to get on that record. Then we got Teflon. Now, Teflon is a hidden jewel. That's a lot a of people fact. don't know that. That's Teflon is a hidden jewel. Yeah. 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 Uh. Teflon got on there, and the way they merged him, then ran into Remy, and just yeah. the way the whole remix rolled out. Yeah. It put a lifeline on a record for 30 years. I made so much money off this one record. I will be crazy if I tell you the number. 30 years of right. a collectible or something that just don't stop. And it's on everything. On everything. everything. TV shows, commercials. They got the, the NBA movies. The, the football, NFL, NFL coming out. This is how crazy yeah. this record is. It's over 30 years of success. So when people measure me and measure my success, just look at how I'm still standing. That's why I'm nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? DR period, y'all. Yeah, we know. DR period. Get out of here. <laughs> A nigga used to have no chill. Nowadays, I'm on side A. Traffic on bumper to bumper, stuck on the highway. Takes so long to get from Monday to Friday. Then you wake up on Sunday like it was just Friday. Crime pays the iron cage, had to find ways. I wasn't trying to slave a nine to five till my dying days. Friends